Guys, do you want thicker, fuller hair? Do you desire lustrous, luscious locks that you can run your fingers through? Maybe a full head of hair makes you feel attractive. Perhaps a full head of hair boosts your confidence and self-esteem. Whatever your reasons, if you have started to experience hair loss, there is good news. Because there are effective, FDA-approved treatments that work. One is a prescription clinically proven to prevent further loss. The other is clinically proven to regrow your hair in two to four months. And both are available from Roman for just a dollar a day. Just complete a free online visit. Roman connects you to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional who will work with you to find the best treatment plan. Then Roman sends everything you need right to your door with free shipping and indiscreet packaging. So guys, are you Roman ready for a thicker, fuller head of hair? Go to ro.co slash fuller. Do it today and Roman will give you 20% off your first order. That's ro.co slash fuller. You're listening to One on One with DP. Sponsored by Beatrice Bakery on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to One on One. This hour of Barry Thompson. Brought to you by Ambition Electric. We want to thank the folks from Beatrice Bakery as well for sponsoring this hour as well. We're talking about mental health and the things that happen, that can happen, should happen within programs to help our young people get through, get through, grow through, uh, get better, improve, mature, uh, more stability, more boundary. Um, Barry and I were talking about us being put in a situation where we had to coach a bunch of kids with just the two of us. And then there is a thing that happens where, uh, in this particular case, Barry approaches the idea that, hey, we're going to take care of some of the things that get in the way of being successful before they get in the way. Right, and one of those things that yep. pops up in this situation and happens at the high school level, happens at the collegiate level, is and I say this all the time: young people, student athletes don't fa- don't generally fail because they're not athletic enough. They fail because they do not manage their time. They do not have the first thing first. They do not focus on the priority, which for student athletes is student athletes. And you and I sat in a room, and there were a couple of things that were said in that space that. We're going to take control. I'll have them take control of their 168 hours each week. We're going to get an academic program, and we're going to be accountable for it. You even went as far as said, listen, if you're waiting, if to get better at a thing, you need to utilize as much time as possible. So right. what we want from you is if you're waiting for your parents to pick you up, you're waiting for a ride, books are open. Yeah. Books are open, yeah. right? Before yeah. practice, if you're waiting for us to get there and start coaching, books are open. All yeah. of these are things that, just quite simply connect student athletes to something other than the game itself. Yeah. So let me pick up on that. It, it was that our famous 168, and um, just for your listeners, it's 168 hours in a week. And so what we wanted uh, players to do, or what I had players do at a certain time, uh, they were to uh, enumerate on a piece of paper, and we didn't get much more instruction than that. Uh, how they spent their 168 hours, and they were to be brutally honest. And we decided was we were going to give them a time to bring it in. And when they brought it, it had to be signed by their parents. Um, 
and I'll explain to you why that was important and probably more important than the 168. So we would get these papers back, and, uh, you know, kids, depending on who they were, would do it all quite differently. And BP recognized, hey, this is kind of like brain typing. We can see who's a creative thinker, who's a linear thinker, right, all those types of things. Some guys would make pie charts and some guys he could barely write. And it was a great identifier, right? Um, but what they found out was that when they added up all the stuff that they had to do during the week, that they were generally left with about 50 hours. Mm-hmm. And if we said the average 3.5 student would spend 15 to 20 hours studying, let's take 15, um, let's make it 60 and make it 15 easy math, they were left with nearly 45 hours in which they could do anything. Mm-hmm. But that was only possible if they were taking care of their education first. So we encouraged them to say, hey, if education is truly first, in any moment you have, it, it's not on the phone, it's, it's opening the book. And we start talking about waiting 20 minutes for your ride, you know, per day, taking 20 minutes to get home. That's 40 minutes, right? And if you're going to stay two hours a night, you know, that's knocked out a large part of it and getting them to understand. Um, it worked really well. Kids would come to us being brutally honest. I have one kid that turned in a piece of paper hmm. that said he spent 16 hours getting fresh. Getting fresh. And getting fresh. Right. And I didn't know. You know, kids can joke. So I brought him in the office and said, you know, what, what's this? And he goes, no, I, I got to look good. So we had a different conversation. I had one kid that turned in as soon as he filled it out. He realized he literally was watching way too much TV and not studying enough. Right. And shows all this recognition. But, the, you know, the larger part, the more I reflect on, especially in the light of this conversation, BC, is that for those young guys, we were doing a couple of different things. Everybody in our life told them, hey, take care of your grades. There's no sports without your grades. Take care of your grades. You're going to get grades. They take them forward. And, but we were kind of coaching about how to do that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we went further. <laughs> we mm-hmm. tend to do, yep. which is we connected up with teachers. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, told teachers, I, you know, my message to a teacher said, if you have one of my football players in your class and they miss a single assignment, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's to bring a number two pencil in and they bring in a number three, I need you to light an email on fire and turbocharge it to me. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that is because I know that no one who intends to get an A starts their class by missing an assignment. Mm-hmm. And so that little thing that would give us an opportunity to get on that now, right, rather than waiting toward these mid things that come out, the warning reports or whatever, and then trying to save the kid. Um, and then now they knew. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about, hey, can you see me? Yes, I could see you. And matter of fact, I know what you're doing in class. And so for me, what that did by having the parents sign this thing right, having the teachers communicate with us. For a young person, we kind of sewed up the adults in their lives Mm -hmm. because you and I had made the recognition that they could, in a very compartmental way, go to a class and understand that the teacher only cared about what they did in class, go to football, and that the football coach only cared about what they did at football, go home, 
and mom only cared, you know, mom and dad, they cared about it all. But, you know, teenagers tend to shut their parents off, and they're kind of now, because they're shut off, they don't really know what's going on in school. or the, So this thing had a way of stitching it up so that everywhere they knew went, the kids understood that people were seeing them and that, to us, what they did outside of football really mattered, right? And uh, we weren't just talking about it. We were coaching. So uh, that 168 thing, uh, I don't know. I, I probably got struck by lightning, but it was a good idea. It's a great idea. It was a great <laughs> idea. And what it did as well – and there are a couple of things that happen when you become consistent with young people. Mm-hmm. They relax because they understand yeah. that you're there. They know that you care. You care enough because you're going to constantly check in. So this thing was done every Friday. Mm-hmm. And so every mm-hmm. Friday, and we would advance it to every Friday, uh, you know, I, I wanted to know what they were learning in these classes. And then right. we asked them to be their phone. Let me speak that because that's something you did. Let me see. So that was the 168. And what VP did, is these school these kids were given these agendas, uh, these little day timers, and they were all issued. They had the school logo on it, and they were all blank. <laughs> Everyone was blank. Mm-hmm. And when DP found that out, he started asking the kids, "I need you to fill out what you're doing every day, and once a week." And I believe it was Monday. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, basketball. At least it was Monday. Uh, I need you to fill this out. And what DP did is he did it by step by step process. He said, I need you to fill it out. And so they would bring it. They're boys. And so the first thing would be, I went to math. I you know, went to here. And then he was, okay, well, what would you do in math? He goes, well, did so Well, it's not on here. And then next week it would come back in math. We did quadratic equations or whatever, right? And then it would be like, well, do you have a quiz coming up in math? Yeah, I have one next Friday. And DP would flip the pages and be like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're like, let's say, how, do you, how are you reminding yourself every day that you have this quiz? Are you put that in? Yeah. I mean, you got to remind yourself every day you got this quiz so you don't forget it. So now it's come back with quadratic equations, you know, and the list, to-do list now on Tuesday. i got to study for the quiz on Friday, blah, blah, blah. And what that really led to is now you can start to have a conversation with him about school, right? And I carried this over to Centerville, by the way. And so I get up in the field. And I would have a player, and he says, I'd say, what, what are you studying? You know, and he says, well, we're studying empires. And I said, okay, what empires are you studying? And he goes, I don't know. I said, come on, you got to choose. And he told me these bunch of empires. And I said, Do you, did you have the Mayan empire or the Aztec empire? He goes, yeah, they were on there. I said, why don't you choose one of them? The kid was, you know, um, parents are from Puerto Rico, mom's Palestinian, right? So I said, why don't you choose the Mayan empire? You never heard of them? I said, man, that's a great empire. So we start talking about that in the Byzantine Empire, and lo and behold, uh, while I'm in Indiana uh, with Guy at one of the combines, Guy Myers at one of the, the uh, combines, National Scouting Combine, I get this text from this quarterback, and he goes, Coach, guess where I am? And he was in Mexico, and he was walking these Mayan ruins, right? This little conversation that we have. So that's the type of stuff that comes about when you connect with these kids and and do it. And to me, it's, uh, you know, we're talking about this subject. There's two coaches I want to highlight. Coach Eddie Robinson, who coached at Grambling for years, and I think he retired with the most wins. He used to say, Coach, and they called him Coach Rob, he used to say, coach them like they're going to be your future son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Right? Coach, coach these young people like they're going to be your future son-in-law. Mm-hmm. And the other guy was Bronco Mendenhall, you know, at UVA, and he said, my mission here is to build a better world through football. 
I mean, just think about that. <laughs> Build a better world through football, which means that he's going to coach those men in a way, expose them experiences, all while they're trying to win these football games. They're going to do it in a way that when they're done, they're, they're going to be able to launch themselves to be great husbands, great civic leaders, and things like that. So I'm going to watch Broncos teams, uh, those players that came from there, because he did really raise some men. It just seems to me there's, there's room for that type of coaching, and you can still win. I know you can do that. I know you can lead people. I know you can show that you care about people and still win. And by the way, back to the Breakfast Club, you know who they universally said? Because I was asked them, can you, do you think you can coach that way and still win? And universally said, yeah, with Dion's going down Jackson State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to care. You have to care. You have to have yeah. purpose. Mm-hmm. You have to show up. Um, you have to live a life. And, and there's a part that you have to live a life that your players want to aspire to. Like, that, yeah. that's a real thing that you can't – players aren't going to move for you if they don't feel like what you're doing achieves a life that they want to live. Like they, yeah. you know, that example yeah. is necessary and we never got to choose who we coached. So we had right. to have a plan in place that no matter what level of talent, no matter how many kids, no matter what the situation or circumstance that we could get, be productive in it. And I'll tell the listeners this, Barry and I never talked about winning. We talked about the things that lead to winning, but we never talked yeah. about winning. We didn't coach for winning, but we won. And this is the funny thing. We'll, we, I'll tell, I, I want to do this here. Uh, there's a point where the, the high school that we were at was a basketball powerhouse, but they had limitations because there was there were holes in the in the things off the floor. And I said the way to fix this is to implement character at the beginning of their initiation into the program so that when things got difficult later on, they would have a plan in place and it would already be memory. It would be part of their muscle memory, a part of their mental memory, emotional memory to, to go, to be proud of themselves, to be good at what they were doing, uh, to feel comfortable in it and to be proud in what they were doing so they could share it with others. And coaching basketball and Barry was not a basketball coach. But yep, I said, <laughs> I said, I, I said to Barry, first of all, I need you on my bench. Come sit on my bench. And I said, you handle the offense, I'll handle the defense. That way, you'll 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 get what I'm getting. I'll get what you're getting. We'll 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 do. And then the next year, uh, the JV job is open, and everybody says, well, DP will just move up to JV, and Barry will take freshman. I said, no. What I want to do is build build a foundation. I want Barry to set the walls and the roof and the ceiling. So, okay. and, Barry, me, and Barry's looking at me like I have Harvey. four heads, right? He's like, bro, yeah, what are you let, doing? Yeah. Yeah. But how'd and that now, go, Barry? Me, <laughs> hold on. Let me interrupt you, and I will do the Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. Yeah. I looked at DP like he was crazy, too. I'm like, why would you do that? And he says, no, you. I want you to coach them. And I looked at him, and I said, okay, I'll coach him if you pick the team. Mm-hmm. So I want to go on the tryouts, and and you know we kind of understood who most of the kids were, but a crucial part of a lot of what we're talking about, I was about to make some big mistakes on the back end of that roster, and DP said, no, 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 this this guy to that guy, and so that those choices really made a huge difference in that team, and you know to what we're saying and talking, you know, tied all into the grade. 
after I selected that team, I think I've told this story before, you know, you and I used to rush down the registrar and kind of figure out what the grades were. I, I know I snuck a look. And those grades helped me understand how I was going to coach this team. And there was one glaring thing that popped out. The biggest physical specimen we had on the team had the absolute worst grades. Now, the way the basketball calendar runs is you could say, hey, you need to get those grades up and blah, blah, blah. And then you hope by the, the back third of the basketball season, just as you're getting into the final games, that he's got everything straight and he don't lose them. Well, that wasn't our approach. My approach, our approach was like, we got to nip this in the bud. So I got the permission that, you know, from his mom and from the varsity coach that I'm not going to have this kid practice until these grades are straight. So we had a conversation, honest one, about why the grades were where they were and what it would take to move them up. And so we went by a kind of reward system. I said, okay, when this gets, you'll come to practice with your book. When this grade moves to that spot, I'll give you like five minutes of individual time and the rest of the time will be with your books. The point being is that it made no sense for me to have this kid dribbling a basketball around the school if he wasn't taking care of the main reason that he was in school for, mm-hmm. which was to get an education. Mm-hmm. And his mom <laughs> and was an educator. His mom was an educator. Yeah, and his mom was an educator, and it, and it can happen to anybody, right? And so he... he Thankfully, because of our honest conversation, right, he was true to his word about how these things would move up, but something was missing here, just laziness. Mm-hmm. But he finally got it. I think as we turned the corner, we were finally a full 15. And it happened to be the exact right thing for that group of players because it turned out that as much success as they had and as they were going to have in the future, that group of kids somehow they they got more enjoyment out of everybody having success. And to give you an example, this was a team that was 10-0 and 0 and had run through everybody. And we just win this 10th game that's kind of like a nothing game, but they win it, and they come down the hallway with their hair on fire, and I'm like, what's going on? And the reason they were excited is because they had looked at the scorebook and everybody scored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that was that team's mentality. So getting him to be involved, right, and getting the whole team whole really meant a lot to that squad. And then at the very end of the season, just a very rewarding uh, last game experience with uh, some players who would kind of naturally resist each other, finally melding together. And that core went on to to win a state championship. But, um, yeah, it's just (laughs) real rewarding. A Virginia 6A state championship from this crew – Led in part by a coach who had never coached the game, but he coached he coached the people, and he coped this, coached mm-hmm. the situation, and they went fifteen and one. Barry won't brag fifteen and one, and tell me how many of those kids not only were were three point five student athletes, but they were scholar athletes. How many of your fifteen right. were scholar athletes that year? I, I think all of them except one. I right. mean, the one kid didn't make it. <laughs> but he went to he went from a, like a one eight to a to a to a, yeah. a three point yeah, one. He took a jump, right? Like it was there. So, like I said, through the value and and again, the things that work well have peripheral benefit. And we figured out that these kids loved each other. They loved themselves because we gave them a task. We walked them through it. We didn't leave them barren and by themselves in it. And then the successes that we were hoping for 
happened because we fixed the things that were required. It wasn't in-game yeah. mission. It was day-to-day, do something good for you, something good for yourself, something good for your community, something good for your teammates, your school, and otherwise, and then good things will happen. And I say this because if you can do that at that level, you can do it at any level if the focus and the intention is right. So we'll throw it to break. We'll come back. Uh, you know what's up. Uh, we'll find out what Barry's cooking or eating when we get back. Watch live right. on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You're listening to One on One with DP on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. 